I had the honor of uh, already having two meetings with Amy today, um, but uh, I, I said it earlier and, and I really meant it. You know, just reflecting on what Lishma has done. Um, this is uh, what they told me was going to be an intimate shiur. Uh, this is their version of intimate. Um, it's very powerful. Um, what Torah learning has always been at the at the crux, at the heart of Yeshiva Flapush. Um, Lishma took it to a whole nother level. Uh, to have our parents come out uh, in a manner that brings Torah to the heart of our homes, um, of our lives, is not a simple thing. We don't take it for granted. Um, we're very, very grateful to the committee for everything they do, for all the Torah they're bringing into our homes. Um, and then to Haim uh, Esther. Uh, first of all, this is a, a very, very big schut to come here. Um, I can't think of a better way to uh, come into a new home than to bring Torah into the walls. Uh, of your new home, you should bezat Hashem of the bracha, uh, that all the messages and all the learning should be as good to your children to bring you a lot of nachat uh, for many, many more years. Amen. So ironically, uh, you know, we've been learning about midot, a very different type of shiur for me. Uh, it's not like a parashat shavuah. It's not like, uh, you know, a nice message. It's been a very uh, unique, I would call it a journey, uh, every time I prepare one of these classes because... And this is my preface to you. Um, it's not a class. Uh, when you talk about midot, it's work. Uh, midot is a real journey. And so I ask you, let's uh, be more active. If you have a question, um, you know, you don't have to raise your hand here. Uh, you, can, you can just call it out. But really, I want it to be more of a discussion. And every month we've been focusing on the midah of the month. Uh, and what a better and more fitting way than to end the last shiur of midot on Sfirata Omer. Uh, which is exactly the time of year when we focus on Midot more intensively. As we know, uh, there's a Minhag during these weeks. Uh, this is a Minhag for all of Klai that we learn Pirkei Avot. If you go, I think almost every Beit Knesset, uh, between Mincha and Arvita and Shabbat, teaches one Perek of Pirkei Avot. And we're supposed to be focused specifically during these seven weeks on working on our character and our development, on our traits. Every week, so many lessons, so many deep lessons um, so really this week, the, the hardship was, which one do we go with? Uh, what do we talk about in terms of the sphere? And so I wanted to touch on a few ideas that have to do with the sphere to Omer and how to make these days a little more meaningful for us. There's a, a fundamental philosophical question that a lot of our rabbis uh, grappled with over the years. And that is, if our purpose in life ultimately is, as our rabbis say it is, and they call it Olam Haba, right? So Olam Haba is really the big prize. If it's like the big goal at the end of the day, why is it that we don't find it anywhere in the text? Right? Do you ever think about that question? Why is it that Olam Haba is not in the Chumash, you don't find it in the stories of the Navi, yet all we talk about every day is we want to reach Olam Haba. And Rav Kook, I think, has a, a very powerful answer to this question, which is a good segue into Sfirat Omer. And that is uh, that he addresses the idea of Olam Abba by teaching us that if, if the text did dive into Olam Abba, and it did describe it in some kind of way that brought it in a more real, real way into our lives, we would become so obsessed, he says, we'd become so engrossed in the next world that this world would feel so meaningless to us. Right? The Misilat Yesharim and all the big philosophical books like to talk about how this world is like a lobby, a, a waiting room. Uh, before the next world. The next world is what it's all about. Because had the Torah actually taken us there, 
we wouldn't be able to appreciate the role that we have in this world. And that's why we couldn't get there. And I want to use that example to talk about a concept that's a little deep. It's a little heavy. Um, but it's something that is worthy of understanding in terms of the, uh, the work that we have to do during this month. And that is the concept of the Dimayon. The Dimayon is, is a quality of the Yetzer Hara that our rabbis talk about a lot. It literally translates to the imagination or the negative imagination, the negative elements of imagination. What does that mean? I'll give an example. Um, I am given a compliment. Okay, I tell you, you're smart, you're handsome, you're, you're wealthy, you're this. Whatever the compliment is, is that a bad thing in essence? Is it a bad thing to give or get it, to get it, receive a compliment? This is where you answer. <laughs> no. no. Okay, nothing wrong with getting a compliment. Is there anything wrong with me recognizing that I have that quality? Is there something wrong with me saying, maybe I am handsome, maybe I am smart, maybe I am whatever it is that I'm being told. Is there something wrong with that? No. no. It could go depends on the quality. <laughs> Sorry? Depends. Depends on? Okay, let's assume for a second that it's uh, something natural, right? It's something God-given. Okay. Let's just assume, even though it could be Depends beyond that. That's how you act once you hear the compliment. Oh, so you're, you're already going one step further. Just that moment. That's a great, I want to go to that step in a minute. But in that moment, for me to get a compliment, okay, I told you, Jaime, pretty smart guy. Okay, that could be a very nice thing. And, and I, you could say, you know, maybe, maybe I am. Maybe that's a God-given gift that I was given. The challenge, the, the real nisayon, begins right after that. Right what Esther said. What do you do with that compliment a second later? The world of chokhmah, machshava, tells us that's where olam hadimayon begins. That's where the imagination takes over. Right? What I do with that compliment that next second is everything. That's the whole work of Midot. Right? If I take that compliment, and now I do something, I'll give, I'll give an example. A personal example. You come to a new city, you're a rabbi, you're a, a teacher, you're an educator, and you get an email your first week on the job. What's your first email? You have a, a teacher's assistant in the building, and she's, uh, unfortunately, somebody passed in her family, she's sitting shiva. Happens to be she lives somewhere really far away. She lives in Muncie. Okay, it's a two and a half hour drive. You tell yourself, you know what? It's a big schlep. You know what? It's the right thing to do. It's a big mitzvah. The right thing to do is to go visit her and to go pay a shiva call. So you get in your car, you drive there. You sit with her, you get to know her. You're menachem her. And you do the mitzvah of nichum avilim. That night, you get a wonderful email. Somebody in the school says, Wow. Rabbi, what a leader. What a special person. You drove two and a half hours your first week on the job. How can you do such a thing? What, what a special thing. Now, what happens at that moment? Did you do anything? You did a mitzvah, right? Your intent was to, to do a mitzvah, correct? You weren't looking for that compliment. What happens at that moment that that compliment happens? What, what do you risk happening? At that moment, you say, okay, now a week later, fast forward another week, you get another email, right? Another email about a shiva call. Now you're thinking, oh, I gotta live up to this. You know, people think I'm this kind, generous person, right? I gotta live up to what are people gonna think of me? I got, I got, now, now I'm gonna go do it, but what's my motivation? What's my intent? It's the same exact action, 
I'm going to do the same mitzvah, and yet everything about it, everything about its essence, everything about my intent and my motivation, all that's different. It's a completely different act. It's a completely different being. I'm a different person. The dimayon has the power to take me and change me. The acts, the, the superficial behaviors may not change. But I as a person am now different because of what? Because what I just, I built this crazy imagination. I got to live up to the social status that I've developed and the name that I've developed and all those things. I have to now change everything about myself. And that's the danger of the dimayon. So says Rav Kook, that's part of the trick of the Yitzhahara in our work. Part of the trick of the Yitzhahara is to tell us, you have this big dream, you want to reach, you want to reach all the way up, you want to reach all the way to the top, because that sounds really attractive, right? I'm going to be this big tzaddik, I'm going to be this big person. I never forget, I was eight years old, somebody, probably didn't even know anything about sports, said to me, wow, you're a really gifted basketball player. I spent the next months of my life, maybe even years, imagining myself as a Division I basketball player, <laughs> right? And I'm going to be the first one that was Shomer Shabbat. That way it feels like holy, right? <laughs> right? But that's the dimayon. It like, takes over you, right? You think, and that's the, the koach of it. That's the power. The truth, the truth lies not in that big picture, not in that fake imagination, but in something very specific, the day-to-day work that we put in, the derech. That's what it's called in Machshava. There's a day-to-day work that we put in. There's 49 days that we count. It's not this big, beautiful picture. It's not this, you know, grand thing that I'm just going to jump into tomorrow. No, it's not as attractive. It's not as appealing. Real work happens in the day-to-day. The message of, of the Sfira, of the days of the Sfira, are, are that the truth, the truth lies in the process, not the product. The truth lies in derachecha derachei noam. You want to reach the imut of the Torah, you want to reach the pleasantness of the Torah, you go through a process, you go through a day-to-day challenge. And there's no, nothing better than to realize that through actually the story that we're about to see inside the text. But I wanted to look for a second at how Rav Kuk puts it so, so nicely at the top of the first source. He says, A person shouldn't try to strive for the highest level of chasidut, the highest level of piety. That's not in steps. It's building blocks. Your strive in life, if you want to really build midot, is to think about the step right above you. Focus on the step right above you the next day. How do I make tomorrow one step better than today. If I want to stop speaking Lashon Hara, I'm not going to start thinking, okay, I could be the Chafetz Chaim. No, I know what I have today. How can I make tomorrow have a little bit less Lashon Hara? Maybe I'm going to dedicate an hour tomorrow. I'm going to make sure that that's not what I do. I'm going to give myself an attainable goal. That's real work. That's a real challenge. It's not the fake Hollywood version of it. Oh, look, I woke up tomorrow and I made the big team. No, it's, it's the real world. The real world is that I have a process. I got to put in the work. I got to go in tomorrow and I got to make sure that it's a little bit better than today. Okay. As I said before, I think to best understand the Sfirata Omer, the, the, the way the Torah teaches us to do it is to actually dive into the Psukim. When did the Omer happen? When, when, what time period are we talking about right now in the, in the text, in the Chumash? When did these days happen? After the uh, left Mitzrayim, correct? In the end of Sefer Shemot, Parashat Beshalach, we leave Mitzrayim. And tell me who, who, uh, who really pays attention to the text here. 
How many days was it supposed to take us from Yitzrayim to Matan Torah? So you see the Torah. How many days was that supposed to take? If you look at the Psukim, what it seems like was the plan from Hashem to beginning, at the beginning. Originally? Where do you teach? No, um, right? It's supposed to be three days. Derech Shloshet Yamim. It's supposed to be three days that takes you from Yitzrayim. How many days did it end up taking us? Ended up taking 50 days. Right? 50 days Till we got to Matan Torah, not to, uh, right. Till we got to Matan Torah, we know we have, these are the days that we count, seven full weeks. Question is, what's the message here? What happened? What did Hashem want from these days? What are we supposed to take out of this story? What are you supposed to take out of these days of the Sfirata Omer? Ultimately, counting seven weeks, 49 days, what's it supposed to achieve? What are we supposed to achieve through this mitzvah? So first of all, let's understand what we're counting. What are we counting? Not days. Sfirata. Homer. What's Homer? Look in the second source. Sorry, who said, I heard somebody say it, but I didn't hear who. Measurement. I still didn't hear it. Okay. Right? It's a shmot. Look, shmot tetzayin lamedva, va'omer asirita efau. It's a measurement. It's like saying a liter or a gallon. That's what we're counting. We're counting liters. Right? We're counting a measurement of sorts. What does that mean, we're counting a measurement? To understand really the depth of it, Think about what happens next. What happens between leaving a Mitzrayim and Matan Torah? First thing, first challenge we faced was right after Yamsu, right after the big miracle. Moshe, right, right, he leaves, and what happens right before the man? We have two challenges we face right before the man. There's no water, yafeh. There's no water, so okay, that's the first tluna. What do you bring us out here? No water. What's going on? Second one. There's no sorry. The water, that's part of the water. I'm including all the water together. The water is bitter. Then we're mantik, the water, yafeh. Then what was the next challenge we face? Before, Amalek is after that. Before that, we don't have the food, right? The slav, we wanted meat. Remember, we had good barbecues in Mitzrayim. Moshe, you forgot about the barbecues that we had in Mitzrayim? Sira basal, that we had in Mitzrayim? Right, that's, that's a big tluna. So the first two things we face are water and meat, right? Both food-related. Hashem stopping now, slowing down the process to tell us, okay, clearly food is an issue. Didn't stop, it's still an issue today, right? And the answer is the man. Then we focus on the man the rest of the way. We have Melchemet Amalek, but ultimately the man is the big answer. That's a big focus. And there's something deeply hidden in this message of the man that we have to uncover. So the rabbis say something very powerful here. Again, it's, it's a bit of a, of a heavier concept. But they tell us that there's a message in hunger. There's a message that we have to develop that Hashem wants to trigger when you see hunger in the Tanakh. Hunger brings out of me something very individual, right? When I'm hungry, then it brings out of me something that is very self-centered. I need to focus on number one. I need to focus on my needs right now. And only then, only with that trigger, do I really get to start working on myself. There's a powerful message in that. If I want somebody to get to work on their midot, I gotta get them to a place where they could focus on their weaknesses. I gotta face the weaknesses, right? So the trigger of the hunger, say Chazal, is what got us to be able to start to do the real work. And what was the answer? The answer Hashem has for us is I'm gonna give you something to answer your material physical needs. It's called the man, it's a spiritual food. And we wanna dive a little bit into that. If you look at the next source, 
So it says right at the bottom, Vaisam Sham Yamsu, right? Sorry, I'm skipping one. Sorry, the third one. Let's go to the second page, the numbers in the Ghana here. Zadava. Ashel Tsivashem. What did Hashem say? He commanded us. Liktumi menu ishlefi ochro. What did he answer? What was the whole the first commandment of the man? Liktu mimenu ish lefi ochro. Pick enough for yourself. What's the first thing? If you look at Pirkei Avot, what are the three qualities that take a person out of this world? Hakinah, hataava, v'akavot. Jealousy, tava, lust, and kavot, and a desire for respect. Right? right? Right in the man, you'll see those three. What's going on here? What's lust? What's the whole idea of, of, of tava? Tava is that we have this desire for more. That's what the, the desire is. We all have a desire, an innate desire. We want more. And the work on that midah is for me to look deep down inside myself and say, what's, what do I need? And what's more than what I need? Just that question is a shiur. Right? That's, that's a big question in our lives. What do I need? What's more than what I need? I'll never forget when I was in uh, my third year in, in Yerushalayim. I'll never forget. I was standing you know, in, in, uh, in Israeli yeshivot uh, lunch is a whole experience in and of itself. And, and when you get in line, so it's a buffet. That's a nice word for it. But it's buffet, right? And you're sitting. I'll never forget this visual that I had. There was a, a rabbi, a really big tzaddik. And he, he wouldn't go in the rabbi line. He was like with the students. He used to always come with the students. And you sit in, you're standing in line behind them. You, you just got to watch. You got to watch what he did. And I'll never forget watching. When you take the big spoon and you go into the rice, it was like he was measuring the exact amount of rice he needed on his plate. You know, you're going through that line. First of all, you're Shiva Bachar. You've just been learning a lot of hours in a row. Your, your goal is to get as much food on that plate without it falling off as you possibly can, right? And he's sitting there, and he's like, like shaking. He's shaking, and he's looking at it. It's like, almost like he's counted just the amount of rice that needs to be on there that's going to be enough for him to go back and, and learn Torah. And then he goes to the chicken, and he takes just the right size looking, and just... It's like amazing. And I'll never forget, it left such an impression on me. It's a midah. It's a quality. He's sitting there and he's thinking, this food has the koach to give me energy to go do my work, my purpose in the world. That's the goal of this food. But if I'm not careful about it, if I'm not measured about it, then what happens? Then I've taken that very physical thing, that very powerful, purposeful moment, and I've turned it into a material moment. I've turned it into a self-serving moment. Right? That's, a, that's just the difference. It's right there. That's te'ava. Te'ava is just the flip between those two. Kin'ah. What's kin'ah? What's jealousy? Where does it come from? Where does it stem from? Very similar place. I see somebody else that has other material benefits that I don't have. And so it develops this gaping hole inside of myself, this dearth. I don't have that. But it all stems from what? What's the core of it? What's the core of the issue? I lack a certain emunah that everything that I have comes from Hashem. The more that I can be conscious and cognizant at all moments that everything I have comes, if I really was always thinking that, everything I have comes from Hashem, it wouldn't make sense to be looking at the next person and wondering why they have this and I have that and whatever it is. But when I'm living in a world where constantly I'm thinking, yes, I know, it's a nice idea. Yeah, I agree, Hashem, everything comes from you. But really, most of my day is not thinking that. Really, ultimately, most of my day is, no, I earned this, I worked, I, I made a big business deal, and that's why I'm able to do this and that. And then yes, then really, that's up to me. 
and therefore I'm going to feel those types of thoughts. But the more that I'm able to internalize the message of the man, that everything comes from Hashem, that really even the most fundamental food is really from Hashem, and just like the man, it's exact amount, and I'm not allowed to eat more, and I'm not allowed to eat less, and I only pick one, right? That's the same message as the man. I'm able to internalize these messages. And therefore, I reach the point where the man, when I understand this eating of the man, this whole miracle of the man, wasn't just, you know, the way we think of the kindergarten, this, this food, this, the taste like anything. It was, it was an avodat hamidot. Every day, I'm trying to work on my ta'ava, on my kin'ah, my kavod. You know, that says that one of the rules of the man, one of the halachot of the man was you couldn't take two. Right? You couldn't take extra to put aside. It's a big avodah to not put food aside, especially for Jewish mothers, right? <laughs> I grew up in a home with four freezers in the, in the, in the garage. Why? And they were always full, right? Like, there was never a, a space. Why? I don't know. The army could come tomorrow and I need to be ready, right? But that's, that's what it was. Like, what do you mean? To go to sleep? Said the man, you have to go to sleep and you couldn't have any left over. But if I could put a little bit aside, maybe tomorrow he's going to want one. And, and by me having one, for him, it gives me purpose. It gives me relevance in the community. I'm now a respected person. I'm now a desired person. I get more kavod. I'm going to have a little bit more on the side. Right? Who did that? The Tanva Aviram. Right? They put a little bit aside. Check. No, no, no. That's, you want to build your social status? You want to build your status? That's not how we build it as Jews. As Jews, we don't build it on the backs of a choser emunah. We build it on real work. We build it on avodat hamidot. The Omer, it's a size, right? It's a midah, it's a measurement. The idea of leaving Mitzrayim and beginning with the Omer, the word Mitzrayim comes from Mitzarim. You know, we say in Halel, Min HaMetzar Karatika. What's Mitzar? A challenge. Mitzrayim was our own personal challenge. Everybody has their own little Mitzrayim in them. Right? We left Mitzrayim. It's unclear whether Mitzrayim left us. Right? We're always in a Yitziat Mitzrayim. Right? I, always, uh, I heard somebody say so beautifully when I was in Israel for Pesach. He said to people, I was in a community where a lot of people made Aliyah. He was giving them Yishar Koach and a little bit of Musar. He said, it's one thing to leave America. It's another level when America leaves you, right? It's one thing to carry yourself there, but we have to know when we're making these steps in life, we have to be constantly reflective about what's in our heart. Okay, so I went to Shior tonight and I, I thought about these midot. How much of it am I taking with myself tomorrow? How much of it am I measuring? And that's a big part of the word midot. What does the word midah mean? It's a measurement. That's what the word midot means. You have to be measured. You have to be calculated. You have to be thoughtful about those measurements, right? The, the story that I'm giving about the Rav who is measuring, that's his life. Everything is done with a very calculated, very measured balance. What do we do with the, uh, with the man? You know, with the, if you look at the last pasuk here, do you remember what we did, what Hashem commanded to do with the man? If you look at the last page. Vayomer Moshe el Aaron. What do you do with a tzinsenet? What's a tzinsenet? A jar. Put a, put a piece of man in a jar. It's a nice idea, right? We should remember it. Right? We'll put it on top of the fireplace as a memory. So it's a, it, was a, it was a cool miracle, no? No, that's not, that's not where we're putting it. Where did he put the man? 
Naron Brit Hashem. The man, the man that happened there, it was placed in the Aron, inside the Kodesh HaKodeshim, in the holiest place in the entire world, where only the Kohen Gadol, only on the holiest day of the year, goes in, inside of that Aron, is the Luchot, the broken Luchot, the Torah, and the man. Wow, what are you, the man is over there? Yeah, you want to know how to get to that Torah? You want to know how to achieve Matan Torah? It's through the man, it's through that work. You put in the work, that's the only way to achieve Torah. You don't just show up on Shavuot, I have students, they love to tell me, oh, you know, I'm here, I was learning the whole night, I didn't feel anything. <laughs> what do you want to feel? What were you hoping to feel that night? You feel something when you put work in. You feel something when you, when you toiled and you worked hard. It's the same thing before Rosh Hashanah. Some people, the time you, Rabbi, I got to Rosh Hashanah, it didn't do it for me. What, you wanted to do something for you? That's what all of Elul is for. You put into Elul, you work on your tshuva, you start to work on your midot, you'll see what you'll feel in Rosh Hashanah. You'll feel the, the barak and the ra'anan, you're going to feel everything. But that's the work we put in. The man being next to the luchot is a message. You want to receive the Torah, you want to know how we as Jews go towards the Torah, it's 49 days of work. You know, I'm sure you see this every night when you say the Sfirat Omer. there's a little paragraph after, right? And that little paragraph says what? You're working on? There's, after Anabekoach, there's a Yehir Atzon, that you're going to say that every day you work on one Midah. Right? There's seven Sfirot, Netzah, Chol, Tiferet, right? You know all those? And there's seven combinations. Seven times seven is 49. There are 49 Midot. We work on every day. I say it's Filah after my Sfirat Omer. That I'm working on that small specific Midah. Today, I'm going to work on just that. Not this, that. You know what? I want to work today on how I'm going to speak to my children. I have a challenge. There's one of my children that just gets under me, right? I know I got to work on that. Today's the day. Maybe that's too big still. <laughs> maybe, just, maybe just an hour. Right? Maybe just an hour. Right? But, but today I'm going to work on that. That's my avodah. I have to pick something today. That's the time between Pesach and Shavuot. It's not just any time. There's a value to every single day. Every single minute has a value. That's the avodah here. To, to correct our midot, it's a mitzvah. You know which mitzvah it is in the Torah? Which one of the 613 mitzvot is, is tikkun midot? Derech hayashar. Very close. What's the pasuk? You use the right word, derech. Derech hayashar vehalachta bidrachav. Right? It's the right term, derech. It's the eighth mitzvah according to the Rambam. It's the eighth mitzvah in the Torah. You have a mitzvah to be like Hashem. What does it mean to be like Hashem? Just like He's merciful, you have to be merciful. Just like He, he gave us the Torah on a humble mouth. Everything that Hashem does is a message to us. We watch His behaviors, we watch His actions. We learn from that how we can attain those midot. We want to aspire to be close to Him. So the avodav midot is literally getting closer to Hashem. That's what it is. Literally, as I work on myself, as I face myself in the mirror, that's the avodah. You know, the Gaon Mevilna says something even more powerful. It says, okay, you're right, midah, it means measurements. What's another term for midah? You know another definition of the word midah? I'll tell you, the Kohen says midovad. What's mido? What, you know, army, I'll think of tzahav. What do you call the clothing that they wear? Madim. Right? Call him Madim. 
Madim is clothing. Midot is clothing. The Gaum of Vilna says something so powerful. He says, Madim, he says that it is, Midot are the clothing of the Nefesh. Midot are the clothing of the Nefesh. What does that mean? You see somebody who's put together. You see somebody who's dressed nicely. You say, wow, he's, he's put together. That's nice. Now let's say for a second he's not put together. Let's say his shirt's not tucked. He's got a stain. It's too tight. It's too loose. Something's not right there. Something doesn't look harmonious. Something, that's the midot, right? The same thing for the nefesh. When the midot aren't right, when they're not polished, when they're not, it looks a little bit off, right? There's something wrong. There's something imbalanced. There's something off. The midot are a pure reflection of our spiritual clothing. So, so a student once asked me, okay, Rabbi, going along with that, how do I know, how do I know when my clothing doesn't fit? How am I supposed to know when my midot aren't right? So there's really two ways. How do you know? Let's see if you can, what, what will you come up with? How do you know when your clothing doesn't fit? There's two options. The first option is, first option is you feel it. Right? The first option is I know. It feels tight, it feels loose. Right? So we know. When our midot don't fit, sometimes the first answer is, come on, we know. And the second answer is, as somebody said, yeah, you got to look in the mirror. Right? Sometimes you don't know, and we got to look in the mirror, and everybody's got a different mirror. Hopefully, my partner is a mirror. Hopefully, my friendship group is a mirror. Hopefully, if not, hopefully I have Sparim, there are important books that have been written that tell me how to live life, how to, how to learn Midot, how to become a Baal Midot, and those could be my mirror. Right? But it's important that we have that reflection for ourselves. Just to have the conversation is the first step. Just to have that conversation. I think lastly, I'll end with this. T- tomorrow, we're celebrating Lag Ba'omer. Right? So one of the things we're celebrating is what's called Torah Tanistar. Right? Torah Tanistar, the hidden Torah. This term Nistar is a very important term. We're spending 32 days, including tonight, working on purifying our hearts. It's not by chance that it's live. It's 32. Right? The 32 days where I'm purifying my heart, I'm purifying my midot. And tomorrow, the big celebration of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is the world of Torah Tanistar, hidden Torah. This, this term hidden is a very important term in our Avodat Amidot. Because I'd say that maybe the biggest distinguisher between us and everybody else is the responsibility of our eyes, of how we see the world. The Jewish eye has a very, very big responsibility. We learn it from you know who? We learn it from the Meraglim. When the Meraglim went to Eretz Yisrael, they went to spy. It says something very, very powerful there. The Gemara, do you remember when that happened, the Chet Meraglim? When did that sin happen? Year 39. Sorry? No, year not 39. which year, when in the calendar. What day? What day do we mourn it? Tisha B'Av. Right? Tisha B'Av is the first Chet that happened. What do we read on Tisha B'Av? Echa, right? And Echa, when you read Echa, Echa is an acrostic, right? It's Aleph Bet Gimel Dal Psukim. Except that from Perek Bet and An, there's two letters that are flipped. Do you know that? There are two letters that are flipped. Do you know which two letters? Close. A little bit further down. Which two letters are flipped? Ein and Pei. Pei comes before Ein from Perek Bet and An. The Gemara says, why? Good question. Right? The Gemara says, why? It says, why? What does that mean, higdimu? They used their pe before their ayin. 
really, ayin's supposed to come before pe. Right? You're supposed to see, absorb, and then speak. But where does Lashon Hara come from? Higdimu pihem le'enehem. Now think about the depth of that. The Jewish eye has such responsibility. Why? Because the world can be absorbed in such a superficial way. I can look around and make quick judgments all the time. He's this, she's that. Very, very easy. You know it's hard? To stop and to force yourself to find a nikudat in every person. You want to have an ayin tovah. I want to be a tzaddik. I want to be like that. You hear a story about Rav Arya Levine. You say, wow, I want to be like that. I want to have an ayin tovah. I want to see the good in everyone. Okay, it takes work. Are you going to be able to stop and every single time you see a person say, I will not see the stain in that person. I'm going to force myself to see some, something good inside of them. I'm going to find a nikudat tovah in every person. And then that may inform me, okay, I want to stop speaking Lashon HaRa. I have to say something Lashon tov about every person. Every person I'm going to think of, I want to start off by Lashon tov. That takes a lot of work. The Jewish eye has the responsibility to see past the superficial value, to see the nistar, to see what's hidden. Because that's the emet. The emet is very often not what it looks like. What, you know, the world that we live in, it's called olam. What does the word olam mean? Ha'elem, hidden. What does it mean? You call the world hidden? Yeah, the world is hidden. Why? Because it seems at face value like I understand what's around me. But really the truth is what's nistar, it's what's hidden. That's the, the, the shorash of Megillah Tester, Purim, all the hidden is Megillah Legalot Tester, the hidden. Right? Everything is hidden. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai understood that. He said, you see, if you look deep inside of a person, you'll find all the beauty you want to see. But it takes work, it takes effort. That's his big chidush to the world. You want to see the beauty of Torah? It takes work. You don't just get to come to, to, to class and say, oh, no, you got to put in work. i got to commit myself. I want to be a better parent? It's very nice. Come to parent school partnership. Come to Lishma. It's beautiful. But if, if it's not happening in the home, what's it really happening? i got to bring it home. i got to have a conversation with my partner. We've got to commit ourselves. We're going to do something consistent. We're going to make real work. That's the commitment. The commitment of the eye, of the Jewish eye of the eye, is l'akdim ayin l'peh. When your eye is refined, when your eye is trained to see the tov in every single person, the tov in every single thing, you know how refined your peh will be? Bezat Hashem, your peh will say only brachot, only good things. You'll have, you'll have such bracha. That takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to see those things. I'll end with the last thing. It says lispor, sfirat omer is also sipurim. It's a plan words. If you look at the books of Avadi Yosef, if you don't have this book, he's known for a lot of things. What people don't realize, he has maybe the best book I've ever read on Pirkei Avot. And it's just every single Mishnah with endless stories that kids will just love. And I read it to my kids all the time and they live for these stories. And so he says, we say, we're supposed to end off Shurim during these weeks with Maaseh Chachamim, about things that you read about people. So today, the students ask for a Mishnah and so I promised that today the Mishnah that we read together, I would, I would share it this year. So it tells us, Chazal tell us, Noach lo la'adam, I'm going to forget the next word, Noach lo la'adam, she, I can't remember the verb, le'kivshana esh, she's supposed to be thrown into kivshana esh, rather than be malbin pnei chavero. What does that mean? You should be, you should, you should rather be thrown into a furnace than to insult and hurt somebody and, and, and God forbid, insult them publicly. What does that mean? So of course it's referring to the story of, who could remember that story? Tamar, Tamar and Yehuda. Remember? She, rather than, rather than tell everybody what Yehuda did, she was willing to be thrown into a furnace. 
But the rabbis say, well, what are you talking about here? What do you do in such a case? Do you really die rather than be, rather than be Malvin? It's not one of the three Averot. He says, the rabbis teach us now, says, you should be more comfortable as a human being. You would rather, in your heart, be thrown into a furnace than, God forbid, insult somebody publicly. That's, that's the halacha. You have to be more comfortable. So I read of a, of a rabbi, Rav Diskin, who had actually said such a powerful thing. <clears throat> it was a, there was a tamid in Europe. His father was a big admor, and he was being set up for a shiduch with, uh, with a woman, another girl who's the daughter of another big admor. And they're about to get married, and he went to the town where she's from, and it was the night before the wedding, and she was making a meal, <clears throat> and he happened to be walking by, even though the minhag was that he wouldn't see her then, he happened to be walking by, and he saw that the chicken, uh, it's unclear to me how this happened, but the chicken that she was about to repair, she threw it against the wall. In a very achzari way. He said, what? What was that? I couldn't believe how she treated the chicken. He said, I, I, can't marry such a, I can't marry such a girl. He was so thrown off, he was walking to Mincha, he didn't know what to do. He's davening at Mincha, and he decides he finishes Mincha early, before everybody opens their eyes. He walks over to the bima, he steals the tzedakah box, and he runs out. They open up there, they see somebody steal the tzedakah box, they run after what happens? They find out this, this guy. Can you believe it? They put a cherem on him. They kicked him out of the city. He went back to his, to his abbas. I said, what are you doing? You went to get married? You went? You ended up ditching? You, you didn't speak to the girl at all? You stole a tzedakah box? What's wrong with you? And he said, Abba, let me tell you what happened. I saw the girl. I saw she treated a chicken. I said, I can't, I can't marry such a girl. How can she do that? Must mean her midar is open. But what am I going to do? I'm going to give her a bad name? If God forbid people know what she did, she'll never be able to get married. I'd rather myself have a cherem, have the whole world throw me over, have the worst name out there, but God forbid not do that to Abat Yisrael. And there's many, many, many stories. It's also very important during these times, we talk about Midot, these stories are important, they're not just nice stories. Stories have a way of embedding themselves into the hearts of our children. They're things that they remember, they make a Russian, they make a certain impression on the young hearts of our, of our children. They're stories that they remember forever. Bezrat Hashem, through these stories, through the Maaseh Avot, through all the learning that we do, as long as we're talking about Midad, as I said earlier, if we're talking about Midad in our homes, we're really working on them. Bezrat Hashem, through this tremendous work, the first 32 days are Lev. How many days are left after Lag Bomer? Do the math quickly. 18. Close. 17. 17, 17 total. Right? Lev total. You have 32 days before Lag Bomer, 17 after, Bezrat Hashem. Sorry? Yeah, the Bnei Sachar, not me. <laughs> but but it's, it's a powerful thing. You put in the lead, you put in the hard work. Of these 32 days, Bezrat Hashem, you keep working on me, though, we'll all be Zochet together to receive the Matan Torah, Bezrat Hashem, this Shavuot. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Thank you. 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 Thank you.